welcome to the Living Free from Chronic Fatigue podcast, created for driven female professionals suffering from unrelenting fatigue and who desperately want to increase their energy. I'm your host, Pamela Otero, a nutritional therapy practitioner, HTMA expert, former running coach and personal trainer, and someone who's personally navigated this path. If you're a woman who wants to get back the energy you once had, and return to the body and the active lifestyle that you love, then you found yourself in the right place. Let's get to it. Hey friend, welcome back. Thanks so much for hanging out with me again this week. At the time of this recording, we're already three weeks into 2024. Yeah. I hope the new year started off well for you and you're feeling inspired and determined like I am to make 2024 a year of doing things differently. Yeah, very differently. And if you're joining me for the first time today, welcome. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I really appreciate it. So, Today, I want to jump right in, want to get right to it and discuss with you three different types of fatigue and how to determine which one you might be dealing with. Because chances are, if you're anyone like who I was in the earlier stages of struggling with fatigue in the earlier part of my journey, I often found myself going back and forth in my head trying to figure out why I was feeling the way I was. I'd ask myself all sorts of questions like, why am I so tired? Why does this feel so dang difficult to do? You know, why is it that I have all this energy initially and then suddenly I feel completely exhausted and totally wiped out, especially doing like the simplest things like walking my dog, making dinner for my kids or going for an easy run, which are things I do all the time. And honestly, during that time along my journey, the earlier stages, like I said, I honestly felt so confused because I thought I was doing all the right things. Now you may or may not know this, but at the time when my journey started, I was a running coach, a certified running coach and a personal trainer. I had a fitness studio and I knew a ton about health and fitness and wellness. And in the beginning of my journey, when I was first struggling with fatigue, I really just felt so confused because I thought I was doing all the right things. You know, I'd do a quick rundown in my, my brain. I'd have a checklist that I'd run through in my head and I would assess all the things I was doing, um, all the things I wasn't doing, really just trying to pinpoint and figure out something specific because it really just didn't make any sense to me. So if you're joining me today, if you're someone that, you know, you're at that point in your journey, you're at the beginning stages of your journey struggling with with fatigue, and some of that describes you, then you're probably also feeling exactly how the energy-depleted fitness enthusiast would feel. Because more than likely, um, you know, I don't know what type of fitness you do, but more than likely, as an example, maybe you've gone for a run, 
or a hike if you're someone that loves the outdoors, or you started a workout at the gym. And right out of the gate, maybe 10 to 15 minutes into it, you're struggling and your body feels like it's working 10 times harder, even though you're not doing anything extra challenging. Yeah. You might be just like that energy depleted fitness enthusiast, the one, you know, who gets started and realizes she just doesn't have the energy that day. Even though she thought she slept well, she slept eight, nine hours. She felt good when she woke up. So she stops her workout because she just doesn't have the energy. She stops her run. She, you know, can't continue with her hike and she heads back home, you know, from the hiking trail or the bike ride she might be on thinking to, thinking to herself, gosh, this is just so strange. I just don't understand this. And, you know, I'm not sure if, um, you can relate to that energy depleted fitness enthusiast, or you can relate to me, um, quite possibly being a ding dong, like I was, um, during that, that stage or that point in my journey where I would feel all of that. And I would just dig deep. I'd push through anyways. And then I'd find myself laid up in bed for hours or unable to work out for days because I just couldn't bounce back. I still felt so drained. Does any of that sound familiar? Are you too possibly that energy depleted fitness enthusiast in that exact situation right now? And you're really just needing some help to figure it all out, to figure out what is this fatigue all about? Well, if so, that's precisely what I want to talk with you about today, because those are very clear, clear signs. You're dealing with fatigue, obviously, right? But what type of fatigue exactly? Well, today I'm going to break down three different types of fatigue that you may or may not be familiar with. The first one is overtraining. The second one is a fueling or nutrient related fatigue. And then the third one is chronic fatigue that's connected to myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, which is basically just ME-CFS. That's the easiest way to say it. Um, And I'm going to break down these three different types of fatigue because you might be dealing with you know, one of them, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty confident that you are. And as I go through these three different types, I want to ask you to just kind of take a mental assessment as I go over each of them. Um, so you can kind of rule out which one you might be dealing with, which one, you know, which one or ones you're not. And then what I'm going to do is give you some ideas on what to do about it. Okay. So Are you ready to dive in and learn more about these three types of fatigue? Well, me too. So let's get to it. All right. So the first type of fatigue has to do with overtraining. Now, if you're a woman who's listening here with me right now, you're a corporate professional or an executive or an entrepreneur like me, 
and you're listening in right now, but you're not necessarily very active or you're not into fitness in any way, I really would like for you to still hang with me here because, you know, this first type of fatigue that I'm going to go over, it may not necessarily apply to you, but if you stick with me for the rest of this episode, um, there will be a couple others that just might be. All right. Now, because I usually work with more active fitness focused female professionals, um, who've been struggling with chronic fatigue for at least six months, I wanted to start with this type of fatigue first, because it's very common in this group of women, usually because they also tend to be overachievers and highly driven in most areas of their life. So overtraining, overdoing it isn't unusual for them. Now, you might also be someone um, who falls into that category, or you might also be someone who tends to be a bit obsessed with your fitness, someone who has a really difficult time taking a day off, or you like to stack your workouts and do two-a-days pretty often. Um, And this just might be the type of fatigue you're possibly dealing with right now. Now, it might seem too simple to be true, but it's totally possible, okay? You see, years ago, um, when I was exclusively a running coach back in 2009, not 2009, 2008, when I started, um, at that time when I got started, I coached a mix of runners, both beginners and more experienced runners. And after a few years of working with both types of runners, I really started to um, intentionally kind of vet and weed out runners who wanted to join my program um, that had been running for some time. And I could tell just by talking with them, um, I could tell that they were more of that hardcore competitive runner, that overachiever, um, that person that just goes above and beyond all the time. And I'd weed them out, not because I didn't believe that I could coach them. But what I found is that they really weren't coachable. They were the ones who often experienced this type of fatigue caused by overtraining. You know, they'd ask me to help them, but um, they rarely took my coaching advice, even though they had hired me. Oftentimes they would run themselves into the ground, getting injured and breaking down. Um, because they were running too much, too hard, and not building in recovery days or doing any sort of cross-training at all, even though I would advise them differently. And this led to not only a decline in their running performance, but it led to extreme fatigue because of inadequate recovery and because of overtraining. Now, I use this as an example because this is, you know, the type of person that I worked with in the past. And you don't have to be a hardcore competitive runner to experience fatigue related to overtraining because anyone can end up in this category, really. Regardless of the type of fitness you enjoy, you can easily create this experience for yourself. Whether that be taking daily, you know, back-to-back fitness classes each week at your favorite gym, working out at high intensities all the time, 
maybe being an endurance athlete, like a cyclist, where you're ramping up your mile miles way too quickly, or you're doing way too many hard rides, or you might even be someone that's participating in weight loss challenges, um, in boot camps. You thrive on that energy and you love that format. And they have you doing, you know, hit workouts, high intensity interval training workouts while eating very, very little. You see, any type of physical activity that's this intense and this frequent can lead you down this path. So let me share with you some common signs and some common symptoms of what overtraining specifically can, can look like so that you can decide if this could be why you're feeling the extreme fatigue that you are. As well as I'm going to explain some reason why, reasons why it happens and then, sub, then suggest some solutions. Um, because if in fact this is the type of fatigue you're current, currently experiencing, um, I think you're going to love some solutions for it, right? So I bring this up um, because like I said, you might be earlier on in your journey trying to navigate um, what's causing your fatigue. So fatigue that's caused by overtraining can look a little like hitting a plateau or having your performance or your progress with your fitness start to decline when you're training or working out or doing all the things, but you can't seem to understand why you're not getting faster, why you're not getting stronger, why you're not improving, why you're not lifting heavier and heavier weights. Okay. That's what overtraining can look like. It can also feel like what I mentioned earlier, feel like you're working 10 times harder during a normal or easy effort workout. You know, maybe your heart rate increases um, pretty rapidly when you get started and it takes a long time to drop back to baseline during an activity that's pretty normal or easy for you. Okay. So if you're someone that uses a heart rate monitor or someone that's very aware of your heart rate, you might experience those sorts of things. You might also feel maybe an unusual heaviness or stiffness or soreness um, in your body. Um, More sore, you might get more sore or achy than usual in your muscles and your joints, and it takes forever to subside. Or some other signs could be not feeling refreshed after a regular rest and recovery day because, hey, you might be the um, rare person who actually does rest and recover, but maybe you don't feel refreshed after a regular um, recovery day um, when you normally would feel fully recovered and ready to get after it again. Um, And that might also be combined with feeling depressed or even having, you know, this depressed mood. And the other thing Um, that you might experience if your fatigue is related to overtraining is that you're often dealing with constant injuries such as muscle sprains, you know, maybe tendonitis or joint pain, and sometimes even getting stress fractures that keep reoccurring, that keep resurfacing and they're not healing. All of these are signs that the fatigue you could be experiencing is really directly related to overtraining. And usually this overtraining 
is because of a handful of things. Um, a lot of times you're working out, you're doing all the things like I just mentioned, but you also have some new stressors in your life, either at home or at work, maybe some big projects, um, at work that you're working on, or maybe some, you know, financial struggles at home or, or some other things at home. And this added stress on your body, even emotional or mental stress, it's enough to stress your nervous system and your adrenal system, which really just robs and steals a ton of nutrients, sodium being one of them, away from other systems in your body in order to manage that added stress. And the combination of the normal physical stress that comes with that level of exercise and then that added home, work, or financial stress, it really does burn through nutrients and leaves you experiencing all those symptoms that I just mentioned. Um, Other things that could happen is sometimes an illness or, you know, a bug or a cold is kind of surfacing inside your body and it's requiring more of your energy specifically your immune system. But despite, you know, you feeling under the weather, um, you power through it. Just like I explained, I was a ding dong and I did that pretty often. And, um, despite you feeling under the weather, um, you power through and you deplete yourself even more instead of resting and repeatedly operating this way because you fear, you know, taking a break or slowing down can lead to overtraining. These other added stresses or other things your body is managing on top of that high intense um, exercising, it can cause overtraining um, and symptoms like that. And, you know, the other thing, which is kind of like a no brainer, but you know, so many people do this. So many women I know do this, um, not building in recovery ses- recovery sessions, um, not doing that is going to damage that muscle tissue or the, the other connective tissue that you naturally break down when you push your body a little bit further than it's used to, um, which is, you know, in my experience as both a former running coach, like I said, and a personal trainer, that was one of the top reasons people I knew experienced this type of fatigue connected to overtraining. So if any of this sounds familiar to you, if you know you're someone who's operating in this way, you know, a couple of simple solutions to resolve your fatigue are to stop working out entirely for at least a week or two. Or if, you know, that sounds like kind of freaks you out when I say that and um, you don't want to stop entirely, then I'd highly encourage you to reduce your activity significantly, maybe anywhere from 50 to 80% of what you normally do. And I'd highly recommend you first cut back on the intensity of your workouts and then back off on the number of activities or workouts you're doing each week. You know, if you think you can't take off a full week or two to fully recover, because truly a week or two of less intense workouts or no workouts at all, it isn't going to set you back, but your body is clearly giving you signs, red flags that it needs a break. That fatigue that you're experiencing, 
It's signs that you need nourishment in the form of maybe more high quality nutrient dense food and really more downtime in the form of sleep and rest. And because so many of us are sleep deprived as it is, um, which is already harmful to our health, just in lacking sleep, um, you know, it's important to sleep and rest and take that break because there are so many processes that take place in our body only when we sleep. They only happen and occur when we sleep, specifically detoxification and also healing of those muscle tissues. So giving your body and your mind the time to really repair and heal is what's needed to reverse your fatigue. If it sounds like you're operating in that way, with your workout and all the other stressors you have going on. Now, this type of fatigue, this might sound too obvious, right? But I've found more times than not when we're in it, you know, doing the doing, locked in on our overachieving autopilot, we really become less connected to what we're really doing. We're less aware of all the things we do on a daily basis because it just becomes habit. We're on autopilot. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope so. So that's the first type of fatigue um, that I want you to consider, overtraining. Now, the second type of fatigue I wanted to talk about, it's a bit more straightforward and easier to remedy in my opinion. Um, this fatigue has to do with your lack of fuel, your lack of nutrients and the amount and type of food you're eating when it comes to the active lifestyle that you live or the active lifestyle that you're trying to live. This could be fuel either, you know, fueling before, during, or after your workouts or your out, you know, outdoor activities and, You might be a woman who, you know, feels and thinks that you have it all dialed in, but I will tell you, there are so many women I know that for some odd reason, they pride themselves on exercising without eating. They're caught up in this extreme intermittent fasting and they don't eat anything before they don't eat anything during, or even afterwards, after their activities, um, or after their workouts and they're going about their day and they're operating throughout their day with very little food and very little nutrients in their body. Right. And just think about that. You know, some of the common signs that come along with fatigue have to do with cognition and, you know, if you don't have the fuel that you need, If you don't have the nutrients that your body needs, it's absolutely going to affect your cognition. It's going to affect your focus. It's going to affect your executive functioning. Um, It it affects affects so much, um, specifically just in our brain energy, right? I personally, you know, don't take offense to this, but I personally think it's just pretty dumb. Um, It's seriously just not the most supportive thing to do. You know, proper fuel, both in quantity and quality is what actually gives you the energy. It gives you the literal building blocks 
if it's the right type of fuel for your muscles and your brain to be active and to create energy. So choosing not to eat at all or to eat very little before, during, or after a workout, it's just more of a detriment to what you're trying to achieve overall, right? And oftentimes this extreme fatigue or, you know, feeling depleted, this reoccurring or resurfacing type of fatigue that you might be experiencing, it really simply has to do more with your fueling strategy and your nutritional timing. It's that simple. Okay. So this fueling related fatigue, um, it may show up in ways where, you know, your legs feel like concrete or they up and quit on you. You know, they prevent you from moving, having you move fast enough or, or they make it difficult for you to lift the weight you need to, let's just say on leg day, despite, you know, you forcing your brain to communicate with your legs to get them to do so. And not only, um, is your body not moving fast, your brain isn't moving fast either, right? This happens quite frequently with active women. Um, but for some odd reason, I think we, yes, I'm totally guilty of this too. Um, we find that the last thing we think about as the reason we're feeling drained or depleted or fatigued is because of not eating enough food, not fueling enough. And if you're anyone like me, you know, I sometimes I'm guilty. I get so caught up in my head. Um, I still do, but I really used to do it a lot. Um, I'd get caught up in my head thinking about my running pace or the weight I was lifting or the number of reps I was doing. You know, I'd force myself to just work harder thinking that my fatigue had to do with my lack of fitness or my lack of conditioning as though I'm not working hard enough, right? But quite often it's the number of workouts or the intensity of those workouts and that frustrating feeling of fatigue where your body just doesn't want to cooperate that's connected to what you either didn't eat before a workout or you didn't eat overall that day. And it's clearly not supporting your activity and it's not supporting your body. And if that's not enough, if your body doesn't have the energy it needs or available to fuel your muscles to perform work, right? It's just not going to work. And if you are doing, you know, that extreme intermittent fasting or dieting, if you're already operating from a deficit and then you're trying to force your body and your mind to do more, it's no wonder you feel lethargic or you have zero energy or you have no power because you don't have anything to tap into. You don't have anything to pull from. So the simple solution to this type of fatigue, it's honestly quite simple. It's take some time to sit down, put pen to paper and map out what you're actually eating each day. There's so many free apps out there. You can do it that way, but really understanding and having an awareness of the quality of what you're eating, when you're eating, how much of your, uh, how much of it you're eating ensuring really that you're getting in adequate amount of fuel 
that's going to support that level of activity, it's really important. And ensuring that you're consuming enough really high quality anti-inflammatory foods, especially protein, it's absolutely essential to support the level and the intensity of your daily activities. And then, you know, if you decide to actually take action and do that simple task um, to just really reflect and evaluate um, a few days of what you're doing, what you're eating, um, and then you just make adjustments where needed and moving forward, you intentionally focus on your fueling strategy and nutritional timing of that strategy. And you do that for, let's say a week or two. And if you start to notice that that unexplained frustrating fatigue that you've been experiencing goes away or starts to lessen, then you know it's highly likely that you're experiencing a fuel-related fatigue, a a fatigue that's related to your, you know, nutrients and your nutrition. And like I said, even though this type of fatigue, it seems pretty straightforward, it's really amazing how so many women completely overlook it. All right. So I'm going to move on to, um, and wrap things up today with the third and final type of fatigue. Um, and this type of fatigue, this is really what much of this podcast is all about and possibly why you decided to start listening, to start checking it out. Um, it's fatigue specifically that's connected to, like I said, myalgic, it's always hard for me to say this, myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome, or what I just like to say is chronic fatigue. All right. I reserve the word chronic fatigue specifically for MECFS myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome. And I will say, um, I mentioned in episode two, which is uh, titled Beyond Boxes, three reasons why a chronic fatigue diagnosis isn't everything. Um, MECFS or chronic fatigue, um, it can be pretty challenging to diagnose. And I talked about that um, in episode two. So if you haven't yet listened to that episode, definitely go back and take a listen after I wrap up here today. But because MECFS is rooted um, or caused by more than a handful of health issues, um, more than what I've um, really shared with you up until this point in today's episode, um, and because there are a few other barriers, which I did mention in episode two, um, it can it can be difficult to identify. It could be difficult to pinpoint. Um, and even though in episode two, I told you that I don't really believe that a diagnosis is everything. Um, I don't think an official diagnosis is always necessary. You probably do. And because of that, I really wanted to share with you what specific symptoms and guidelines are used um, to go about diagnosing it, you know, really share with you what medical professional medical professionals use to determine it. But before I do that, um, I just wanted to explain that the reason I shared the first two types of fatigue before going over this one is because more than likely, um, if you're a woman who is very active, or at least 
you were, um, or you're trying to be, um, and you're a woman who does value fitness and exercise in your life, um, and you're earlier on in your journey and you're, um, trying to understand where this fatigue is coming from. Um, I really, um, want, wanted you to kind of reflect on those first two types, um, before jumping into this one. And, um, I know that either way, whichever type you might be experiencing, I know that it's really disrupting your life. Um, and more than likely it's disrupting the lives of other ones you love too, right? Um, and because of that, I first wanted to give you, you know, some other things to consider and rule out fairly quickly and easily, um, of where your fatigue might be coming from before stressing yourself out and thinking you're possibly dealing with, or, or you possibly have chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. So please take some time to evaluate, um, those areas in your life that I just mentioned, those ways of going about your day and your week with your fitness. Um, because even though they might seem pretty simple, um, both of those other two types of fatigue can absolutely leave you feeling extremely exhausted, wiped out, depleted and teetering on the edge of a full-blown, full-blown breakdown. Okay. And after you do that, um, let's just say you go back and you kind of go through that and you kind of think through it and you discover that those two types of fatigue are not at play here, then more than likely this third type of fatigue, chronic fatigue, MECFS, more than likely that could be the one. All right. So if you're someone who's feeling extremely exhausted all of the time, and I mean all of the time, and you feel like you've really considered everything, you've talked with your doctor about this, and you're pushing to get through your day, struggling every step of the way, ending up in bed for hours and sometimes days, and finding the simplest tasks like playing with your kids, grocery shopping, or even attending meetings at work, you're finding them impossible to navigate, really having you head back home because you need to lay down immediately. And you've been experiencing this sort of thing for six months or more. I really want you to listen up and I really want you to hang with me for a few more minutes. Now, if you're multitasking right now, um, please come back to me because this information that I'm about to share, it is crucial and it is key. Okay. Because when it comes to MECFS, you know, the guidelines or the, the criteria, um, that I'm going to be going over here in a minute. Um, these are things that I really want you to, I want you to know, um, because I want you to actually assess and see if they apply to you. And I also want you to talk with your doctor about them. If your doctor hasn't yet mentioned them. Okay. I want you to advocate for yourself and I want you to have this information so that you can take it with you and advocate and ask him or her questions. Okay. Now I do want to say up front, um, I do have a responsibility to say that, you know, the content I share and the opinions I have on this podcast, they are for informational purposes only, and they're not intended to be a substitute for professional medi- medical advice or a diagnosis or treatment. Um, I'm not a licensed medical professional. I'm not your medical professional. 
Um, but I do have direct experience both personally and um, in my clinical practice as a nutritional therapy practitioner and an HTMA expert um, in helping both myself and women like you resolve their chronic fatigue and increase their energy. And I do believe you should have this information if you don't already have it. All right. Now, um, before I jump into the criteria, I'm going to break it out. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Um, it's important that you know um, that most medical professionals um, will or should um, first rule out other types of health conditions, other specific health conditions first. Things like anemia, sleep apnea, heart conditions, um, neurological abnormalities, um, respiratory conditions, or even side effects to prescription medications that you might be taking. So it's important and most medical professionals should um, rule these sorts of things out first before kind of going to the next step of um, going through the, this um, criteria to diagnose um, MECFS. Now, obviously, you know, I went through those health conditions. It's not an exhaustive list of conditions that they rule out, but it is some of the main ones that they consider. Okay. And once all of those conditions are ruled out, once your doctor has ruled that those out for yourself, um, what they usually do is they usually follow either, um, the Fukuda criteria. Um, sometimes that same Fukuda criteria, it's referred to as the CDC criteria of 1994. Um, there's two names for the same criteria, but, um, the centers for centers for disease control and prevention, they actually developed, um, that criteria back in 1994, um, now if your medical professional doesn't use that criteria, they may also look at another criteria. It's called the IOM, the Institute of Medicine criteria. Um, now the IOM, the Institute of Medicine is called the National Academy of Medicine. Um, but the IOM criteria was, um, more recently developed, um, back in 2015, um, a lot more recent, right? Compared to 1994. Now, it's important that you know that each of them have similar criteria for diagnosing MECFS. Um, the reason I bring up both of them is that um, the IOM criteria from the National Academy of Medicine, they have now proposed, or at least they did back in 2015, um, which is why they created a new set of criteria. They have now proposed a new name for MECFS. They've come up with a new illness that they are calling systemic exertion intolerance disease or abbreviated SEID. Okay. Instead of using the term myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome. So that's one of the biggest differences between the two. Um, and there are some slight differences in the criteria of each of them. But either way, just know that both sets of criteria are used in clinical practices and um, with healthcare professionals, um, and they may choose to use either set. So I bring up both of them so you know that, all right? But in my experience, um, the CDC criteria are often um, more often used 
which is why I'm going to go over um, what that is today. Okay. So to be diagnosed with ME-CFS, you must first and foremost have severe fatigue lasting six months or longer that is not substantially, and of course, all these words matter, it's not substantially alleviated by rest. That's the first set of criteria on this list, okay? And once you've been experiencing this for six months or longer, and it does not get substantially better after resting, um, that's the first thing you want to think about as it relates to what you're experiencing right now, okay? Now, in addition to that, um, the CDC criteria states that you must also have at least four or more of the following symptoms, okay? Um, And these are what they are. Um, Four or more of the following, headaches of new type, pattern, or severity, So if you are somebody that has always had headaches or migraines or that things like that prior to ever experiencing this um, severe fatigue, um, they're going to want to look for headaches that are of a new type or pattern or severity. Okay. They're also, one of the other symptoms is having multi-joint pain without any swelling or redness. Um, the other symptom on the list is muscle pain. Okay. And I, that is, uh, primarily these two symptoms on their criteria is exactly why I brought up the two other types of fatigue earlier on that have a lot to do with fitness because it's not unusual for, um, really fitness focused women, active women to have muscle pain or muscle joint pain. Um, but you know, dialing in the key words here with this muscle joint pain is without swelling or redness. Okay. Um, so having muscle pain, that's the other one I already mentioned. The other thing um, that is really important and critical on this list of symptoms and criteria is having post exertional malaise. And a lot of times you'll see PEM, Um, but what that is, is what it says specifically is you need to have that for longer than 24 hours and symptoms worsen after physical or mental exertion. Okay. So that is a key symptom post-exertional malaise. So after you exert yourself, after any kind of physical or mental exertion, even if it's something really simple and it lasts for longer than 24 hours, that's something that a medical professional, your doctor might want to ask you about. The other symptoms um, listed on this criteria for the CDC or with the CDC's criteria is having significant impairment in short-term memory or concentration. So a lot of times, um, you'll tell people that you just feel really foggy in your brain. You have a hard time formulating thoughts, um, remembering what you were going to say or pulling kind of words, you know, out when you're talking, um, having significant impairment, both in your memory and in your concentration is another symptom on this list of criteria. Um, Three others here are sore throat. So having a sore throat often, um, having tender lymph nodes often, and then having unrefreshing sleep. So 
Even when you sleep eight, 10, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours, and you are not waking up throughout the night and you feel like it's really quality sleep, but you wake up and you still feel unrefreshed, that's going to be another symptom that they're going to be looking for in diagnosing um, MECFS. Okay. So if you can check off the first one, which is having severe fatigue for six months or longer, that's not substantiated, substantially alleviated by rest. Um, that's going to be the primary one. And then you're going to need to have four or more of those other ones that I listed. Okay. Now, hold on one sec. I'm going to take a sip of my water. So more than likely, if you have that first one plus four or more, then your doctor more than likely will diagnose you with MECFS. Okay. Now, the reason in episode, I believe, I, I think it was episode two, when I talked about why I don't think a chronic fatigue diagnosis is everything, um, you might be someone that has um, three of these on the list um, and you've been dealing with it for six months or longer. Um, again, they're going to be checking boxes. And if you don't check all of their boxes, then they're not going to give you that diagnosis, but you may have, um, three of them instead of four. And so, um, you know, that's just an example of why I don't always think that the diagnosis means that much, but I do, like I said, um, I want you to know what the criteria criteria is for diagnosing it. All right. So if you're someone that's you know, feeling or experiencing any of these symptoms, right? And you feel pretty confident that your fatigue isn't connected to overtraining or not fueling property properly, like I mentioned earlier, because you might be at a place where there is no overtraining. Um, there is no need to fuel because you can't even do those activities anymore. It's really preventing you from having that active life that you love, this could be the type of fatigue you're dealing with and something you definitely want to talk with your doctor about. Okay. I'd, I'd encourage you to also talk with him or her about ruling out some of the more common causes of chronic fatigue. Um, like I mentioned in episode three. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and, um, you know, maybe increase the speed on that episode because it was kind of long and kind of go through the nine culprits that I went over. Um, so if you are, you know, experiencing this type of fatigue, also look into ruling out some of those other causes that I mentioned. Um, and you know, besides talking with your doctor about this, which I really hope that you will, um, I'd highly recommend you do a few other things as well. Um, and they might seem like no brainers, but, um, if you are anyone like me, I, I do think it's important to share it with you, um, because I know you're strong. I know you have a lot on your plate. I know there are a lot of people relying on you and, um, the idea of taking a break or resting just seems impossible because you have so much, um, you know, that you're responsible for, but I really would love to recommend, and I want to recommend to you to stop trying to keep pushing through. Okay. Really take a step back and nourish your body, nourish it 
with clean, healthy, anti-inflammatory food, with gentle, restorative activities, if you're able to do any activities at all, and really just take a step back and reduce as much stress in your life as you're, you know, you possibly can. And that might mean even setting stronger boundaries at work or with your family as you increase the quality of your sleep. If you're finding that you're not sleeping that much or your sleep is not solid. Okay. Take it from me. Trying to push through will not work. It's only going to make things worse for you. And thinking it's just going to pass isn't going to happen. I think the fact that you're listening to this episode right now, I think you know that. Okay. So please listen to what your body is telling you. Right. And, you know, if you think that this is the type of fatigue that you're experiencing and you don't feel you've gotten the support or the care that you need from your healthcare team, because I know that is very common. It's very common with many of my clients. They have been advocating and fighting and asking their medical team to help them for months and months and sometimes years, and they're not getting answers. If that's you and you're tired of delaying your healing and you don't want this to impact your life and the people, you know, you enjoy doing things with the people in your life that you love because you know that it is impacting them as well and you're tired of delaying your healing, then I want to really encourage you to reach out to me and to schedule a clarity call with me because I specifically help women just like you uncover the root causes of their chronic fatigue, really help you know, increase the energetic potential of the body, increase their energy and ultimately return them to the active life they love so that they can do it with the people they love. Okay. I'm going to include that link, um, to schedule that clarity call in the show notes below. It's really just a simple form to complete takes five minutes, um, with a few short steps to take. Um, and You know, I would love to hop on a clarity call with you so you can learn a little bit more about what I do in my clinical practice, um, what it looks like and how I might be able to help you. Um, and if you know, you don't want to do that, it's, and it's easy for you to just send me an email. You can email me at Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A at Pamela Otero.com. Okay. And, um, if you send me an email, reach out to me, just let me know that you, you know, are are a listener of the podcast and I can always just quickly email you back with that link and we can get, um, a clarity call scheduled. All right. So as I close out today's episode, you know, really more than anything, I want you to know that having you feel well, having you feel energized and strong, So you can enjoy doing the things you love with the people you love is what I want for you. So please don't ignore what your body is telling you any longer. Pause for a moment, get really, really quiet and just listen to what she's telling you to do next. Listen to that intuition. 
All right, my friend. All right. Well, next week, um, here on the podcast, I plan to dive into minerals. Um, minerals is a primary focus in my clinical practice. I really hope that you will join me, but until next week, do something simple that nourishes your mind, your body, and your soul. Chat with you then. The content and opinions shared on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition or your situation. Thank you.